Victor is at the beginning. We, you know, just tag our folks that, you know, are actively participating in things like that. And so that might take us a few little seconds, you know, like a minute or two or so, just something like that, um, you know, to get folks going. So, uh, okay. Let me see. Uh, Abigail, can you bring daddy his phone off the charger? And so, yeah, that's where I tag um, who I want to have, you know, to just look up and have that direct access to the video. Thank you. Sorry for waking you up. Although she was already up. All right. <laughs> so, Get this started, fellas. You got everybody tagged, Jamar? Yeah. yeah. I run into a brain freeze sometimes. Bruh. Dude, Vic, dude, from a different angle, I thought you was Terrell Suggs, man. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one, man. Yeah. You do kind of like Terrell Suggs when I think about it. Yeah, that that Raven shirt didn't hurt. It oh, didn't no. hurt. Oh, no. And then you got that Ravens football <laughs> shirt on. I, 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 I see the point here, Jamar. Yeah, nah, nah uh, I'm not a Ravens fan by no means necessary. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, mm -hmm. I'm just a Colts fan. Just a shirt today. <laughs> hey, okay, okay. Yeah, the Colts, man, they uh, got a very interesting, uh, you know, season coming up with um, – your boy Carson Wentz, very interesting. What do you think are the uh, what, what's the coach still in this season? Because me and Jamar talked about this, and I'm sure they talked about it on the Destination Fantasy podcast. I think they're a first round, a second round team, but they are dangerous. Um, it all depends on Carson Wentz. Um, I think they have potential, but I don't feel like Carson Wentz was the answer. Mm -hmm. um, I His game is okay, but there's a reason why Philly did not want him anymore. Right. And him playing um, within the system, again, with the same coaches and everything, that might help him. And it might help him that he will be playing behind one of the better offensive lines of football. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Dude, to good running backs, too, and uh, Andy, some good backs there, too. 
Yes, uh, they got two. Marlon Mack, if he comes back healthy and he's the same, he will be a dangerous backup behind uh, my boy running in front of him. But it's just uh, it's hard to be able to. I don't know if he's on a roster. Be okay. Mm. Uh, Is he still uh, on a roster? Who's that? Marlon Mack. He should really be. Really, Marlon Mack, he's a good back, man. Was still there. And they got Neam Hines, too, still. Right. Right, so, right, right. But, but uh, you make yes. the point here, uh, uh, Victor, right? Jamar, you make a great point. You got a great offensive line. You can damn near put anybody back there as long as they're right. a good running back state. You put I mean, anybody they, back there. It, they yeah, so, make Phillip Rivers look better than what he was at age 40. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so we'll see. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, man. Well, we are definitely, uh, you know, when the football season starts, man, and when we get near, let's talk about those. We want you back on again, Victor. Uh, we want to talk about, you know, just the teams and the ceilings and go down some rosters and different things because um, I like the Colts better than I like the Rams. And so – um, anywho, uh, hello, hello, good morning, world, good morning, people. Um, look, we are gonna we are gonna start the podcast this morning. We are not gonna get caught up in the LA Rams and Matthew Stafford this morning, all right? Uh, okay, okay, right. we're gonna stay focused on the task, all right? I don't have the right. energy for it anyway. Hello and good morning, people. Welcome to the Early Morning Sports Talk podcast. Thank you for tuning in with us this morning as we conversate about the latest sports topic that has taken place this past week and will be upcoming this week. It is always a blast to have you all tune in and participate with us every weekend. As a reminder that every week we always like to begin our podcast by reminding our audience that the Early Morning Sports Talk podcast can be found on Facebook via the Early Morning Sports Talk podcast page on Spotify's the Early Morning Sports Talk podcast. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, as the Early Morning Sports Talk Podcast, as well as our own Facebook pages uh, via Brandon Price and Jamar Gummett. Today is July 10th, 2021, and we have yet again seen an interesting week in the sports world. But we have seen the Phoenix Suns, Jamar, take a 2-0 lead in the NBA Finals and look pretty dominating on their home court um, yet again. We have seen petitions being filed to let Shikari run in Tokyo Olympics after this week where she was denied running in both the individual and what we thought a chance she had to run, Jamar, in the relay sprint competitions uh, due to cannabis being found in the system. And speaking of cannabis, our brother James Harden uh, dodging being in prison after being stopped in the streets of Paris, along with rapper Love Baby and others within that entourage. And with that being said, introducing my brother from another mother, Mr. Jamar Goodman. Good morning. How are you, sir? Man, tired, but we here. Let's do it. We here. All right. Yes, and we additionally will have a guest with us this morning, our brother, Mr. Victor Young. Thank you for joining us this morning, sir. Much appreciation. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm absolutely happy to be here. Um, I'm definitely love talking sports with you guys, so we're going to have a good time today. Yes, sir. Appreciate your presence, man. And so with that being said, guys, let's begin our podcast and our conversation this morning by talking about the NBA Finals. 
And so, uh, Jamar, I want to begin. I want to know why you picked the Milwaukee. You know I had to bring it up, right? So I want to know why you picked the Milwaukee Bucks to beat the Phoenix Suns when you knew in your heart that the Milwaukee Bucks are too volatile. <laughs> Just too up and down. And they don't have the room. Not against Phoenix. All right. Well, well, for one, I mean, could I be a little biased? A little bit. Sure. But go ahead. No. <clears throat> um, so so yeah, I, I I mean, I recognize that Phoenix is probably the most complete team in this playoffs. That 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 is a given. I mean, they don't really have any real weaknesses. I I mean, we've been discussing Phoenix for about the last two months now in the postseason, and that's just what it is. The reason why, besides me being a little bit biased, the reason why I picked the Bucks in six and I still not wavering from that right now is because when Milwaukee's at their best, like they are too big and too dominant when they are at their best. It's just the problem is they haven't been at their best. Giannis, you know, he he shows up coming back from a knee injury or whatnot, and he he's balling out. It's just at that quote-unquote big three, and I, I don't say quote-unquote big three. Um, ain't nobody else showing up. It's just him. And, and I guess that speaks to your point about them being volatile. That's more so, I guess, Mr. Chris Middleton. Uh, 11 think, points in game two. You're telling me that Matthew uh, Conahay had more points than him in game two, bro. Hey, man. It happens. Just, just this is just not the time for it to happen, though. Um, yeah, Middleton, he he needs to step up big time. Uh, Drew Holiday, the energy definitely changed from game one to game two. He came out with more uh, aggression. He just couldn't finish a layup to save his life. That, that was his problem. He hit like half his shots. So we probably even talk about a, bit, a different story. Um, but no, uh, Giannis needs help. Um, I don't think the series is over yet because they, you know, they normally say the cliche series doesn't start unless the road team wins. Mm -hmm. So Milwaukee has two games at home. Milwaukee has started off in the playoffs. I think only two, a couple of times before they, they've been down in the series before. Um, yeah. It was and, against the, uh, the Nets. Yeah. And so for me personally with the Bucks, <laughs> they, they go as far as their coach goes. Because I, out of all the inconsistencies, I feel like their coach is the weakest link. And to me, Mike Budenholzer, that that man right there, I, I think outside of David Black, might be the only one legitimately like let go. <laughs> if he lose this, if he losing the finals. Even if he wins the final, they might still let him go. It's like <laughs> he's the only one with a job that's not secure. You doing all this because they win it in spite of you, my man. You cannot yeah. make any adjustments in game. You know, what I mean, the only thing that the Bucks really did was, you know, they 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 finally like not you know was not really shooting any three threes initially, and they were playing aggressive. That that was it. Like Coach Bud, you you're trash. You are like. Let's just call it what it is. A stay to stay. You suck. Like you, you probably gonna lose your job regardless, man. But yeah, that that's where I'm at right now. Mm. Yeah, the on the early morning sports talk podcast, our brother um, Jamar is giving his reasoning behind uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and their volatile performances. Um, but one thing that is true, Victor, is they are coming to Milwaukee, and just as tough as Phoenix is on their home court. 
Milwaukee has been just as dominant on their home court. So just curious, Victor, what's your thought on this series? Um, initially, I had Phoenix winning in six. Uh, I think Phoenix may be able to win in five now. I think Milwaukee will you. win game three. Um, but then they'll lose game four after Phoenix adjusts in game four. Um, game three, Chris Middleton has to wake up. He has to wake up. He has to play. I think he's the lifeline of that team. It's not it's not Giannis it's him. Yes. And so uh I think they're playing a little bit scared and also too a little bit lax because I felt like their greatest moment for them was to beat Brooklyn. And they're still lackadaisy from beating Brooklyn. And they just have to wake up. Once they wake up, they could be dangerous. They're a big team that can get physical and guard Phoenix. They just, as some, some their coach has to wake them up. He has mm-hmm. to wake them up. And that, like Jamar said, is their weakest link right now. Um, because he's not coaching, which is hard to do today in today's NBA um, because a lot of the coaches are afraid of the players. I don't get that vibe from Giannis, but who knows what goes on in the locker room? I don't know. <laughs> you know, but uh, I really feel like the Bucks have a chance and they can play with them if they wake up. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Like, um, Jamar, I picked Phoenix and Stick. Um, Phoenix is unbeatable on their home court, y'all. It, it, I mean, that home court has got to be one of the best home courts in basketball. Like, the fans, they are just rowdy. Like, and they help Phoenix win all the time. It is they're just like a hard place to play. <laughs> um, so you got that going on, right? The fact that Phoenix – really looks unbeatable. Have they lost at home this postseason? No. I don't think so. I don't think nobody beat them um, on the road this year. Um, I believe they might be one of the undefeated teams this entire postseason at home. Um, and, you know, the Lakers even couldn't, uh, you know, all the Lakers did beat them, right, game two in the first round. And, Victor, me and Jamar stated we believe that the winner of that series between the Lakers and Phoenix will win the West just because it was just a lot of issues going on with all the other teams. Um, I mean, that was including the Lakers, too, however, who had their issues. Um, I firmly believe, Victor, if the Lakers were healthy, they win the West. Health or not, whatever, they, if they're healthy, they're, they're the top two players are just so great that they would have overcame the West. Um, but Phoenix, man, they got young guns. Shout out to Mikhail Bridges. Like, Philly, he was a part of the Philly process, and they just overlooked that kid. So terrible. Um, Cameron Payne, overlooked, but the boy is a baller. He, he was nice with the Bulls, if y'all remember. He was pretty decent with the Bulls. But, you know, he got his little stand out the league, but came back, and now he's balling. Shout out to the black head coach here who's stumping on his white head coach. Yep, I'm bringing up race here. And the reason why is because I'm loving now that the NBA is finally realizing, y'all, that it ain't necessarily, like you say, Victor, about the head coach. It's about the players. But black leaders and these guys, 
former NBA players, a lot of them, or former basketball players, can relate to these guys. So why not bring them on? Why you got to have this white guy because of a tradition of intellect, of whiteness, whatever the hell this bullcrap narrative they pushing? Um, it's, yeah. it's about time they bring them on head coaches of color into the NBA. Um, and now, I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, the Mavericks assistant um, is a front runner for the Orlando Magic job. And so I'm loving to see that uh, being pushed because it should have been pushed many, many years ago. Um, Chris Paul, y'all, he's so surgical. And for me, y'all, this really is the difference. Um, Giannis is the most dominant player on the floor. But the best player on the floor, y'all, Jamar, the best player on the floor is Chris Paul. And that's even beyond Devin Booker. Because Devin Booker's the score. He's going to get his buckets, as we know. I, I like him as being like a mini member. Uh, but Chris Paul is just so surgical. It is so beautiful to see how he'll break down the defense. Did you guys see the passing from them? Did you guys see the passes from Phoenix? Absolutely this, great. The, the, the ball movement, I mean, it's like a work of art. It reminded me, Jamar, of the 2014 Spurs. Remember that championship team? That's mm -hmm. how, how, I don't know if you remember that, Victor, how beautiful they were, were. Just the basketball just flowed so gorgeously. Remind you of the 2018 Warriors, just how the ball flows so much. And, you know, the ball flows. And they pass up often a good shot for a great shot. And that's what Phoenix does. Um, you know, they do that so well. And um, we'll see what happens in Milwaukee. I'm with you. I think game three, the Bucks do bounce back because Milwaukee is a hard place to play. They got a great team. But game four, um, I think the uh, Suns will adjust and eventually take care of business to game five. Um, they're just too much. It's too much scoring. It's too much offense. Every time you respond, Phoenix got a response every time. And that's hard to beat. It's really, really hard to beat. Um, I'm here to say, Jamar, and I've been talking to you, Deshaun, about this on text. I said that I like DeAndre Aiden and how he plays. He reminds me of a mini Tim Duncan. And I like how Devin Booker plays. He reminds me of a young Kobe. Like, I think this team is on the sum, bro. I think they are on the sum that's well past 2021. I think maybe you guys, I don't know how you felt about it, but I think this team is um, a team to be reckoned with definitely for the future. It depends on Chris Paul and whether he stays and plays. That's the major thing with that team. Um, obviously, I mean, those guys are great pieces. Don't get me wrong, but Chris Paul is the heartbeat of that team. Without mm -hmm. him, they would not be the same. Um, they might be able to win some games, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, that general on the floor makes a complete difference, especially when you make it to the final. That's what you need. Um, right. Also, another thing I wanted to touch on with Milwaukee, though, I feel like the problem, since obviously they they need some offensive help. And my thing is that I do not understand what that coach is, why he's not playing Bobby Portis in front of P.J. Tucker. I know it may sound a little bit crazy, just a tad, but, I mean, Bobby Portis can ball, man. And you got P.J. Oh, yeah. Tucker playing 40 and giving you three. 
Three point. At some point, you got to switch it up a little bit. Like, you got to do something different. And honestly, that defense that he so much has, like, you don't really need it for a crowder on the floor. You don't need that. So I feel right. like I, he need to give Bobby Porter a little bit more minutes and see what that gets him. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't know. I mean, you're getting three points a game out of P.J. Tucker and you're playing four minutes. Like, that's not right. good. And, and the bad game. part, Vic, is that he's not even shutting nobody down. Like, you play P.J. Tucker for right. minutes for defensive purposes. Now, he did his best for Kevin Durant, you know, off the bam. But, you know, the thing about Phoenix is that it's not going to be really a one-man show, right, Jamar? Phoenix is going to pass the ball. So it could be any guy, any night for Phoenix. And so P.J. Tucker can't cover five guys, Victor. And so <laughs> this, this is a possible adjustment that Mike Budenholz, if you're watching the Early Money Sports Talk podcast, you can learn and you can make this adjustment yourself. Um, realize that if you're playing someone 41 minutes, um, they got to put the ball on the bucket, especially depending on your opponent. And we know Phoenix is going to score the ball. They're not going to just, you know. And if they don't score, then, right, then if they don't score, uh, me and Jamar as well knows that Phoenix is very, very underrated defensively, and they don't get their respect, but they can defend like nail. And the reason being is it starts with DeAndre Aiden in the middle. How many uh, – I, I think a lot of people kind of forget about the defensive pros of Chris Paul and how many awards he's won over his career and how he is a pretty good damn defender on the Wait, ball. wait, wait. Ho, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like maybe maybe that's in the past, man. This 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 postseason, that man been been doing the stanky leg. I ain't trying to hear that one. <laughs> really, Chris Paul, he hasn't been defended, and you telling me Devin Booker hasn't been defending this postseason? Wait, wait. I said Chris Paul been doing the stanky leg. They've been breaking him off with some some nasty crossovers. <laughs> I mean, but I just say, because I, you get hit with a crossover, but, but it's been it's been happening. But it's the frequency you know, of it, 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 the frequency of it happening this postseason. I'm like, okay, maybe you're not I mean, the. Just not the you get hit with a cross. He's over. a okay. Uh, what I'm saying is credit, man. He is. He's probably like 36 or 70 years old. I mean, you got. He's not. He's not the defender. What I what he once was, but he's okay. He, he's <laughs> and, better and than most. That's all he gotta be. That's all yeah. he gotta be. I, I just didn't want didn't want the, the 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 adage of him being a great defender when I'm I'm seeing him doing playing twister out here. I, I can't. <laughs> okay. All right. So, but I'm just saying that I'm not making him a great defender, but I am right. saying that he does go look at his resume, bro. He has been on at least oh, five that's... six defensive teams in his career. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's fine. I'm just talking about ever, right ever fall too far from the tree. He can defend when he wants to. It's just like LeBron at this point in his career. LeBron can defend when he wants to. He don't necessarily defend all the time. But when he has to, right, Victor, he'll defend. And I think it's the same with Chris Paul. Um, Devin Book is a great defender. I I, I don't see how people sleep on him so much. Um, And then we know about Jay Crowder. We know about Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder, Vic, wherever he goes, brother, that man wins. Yeah, absolutely. He's a pure winner. 
And so you just jailed out all that in Phoenix. I mean, you got a recipe for success. And so um, definitely, y'all, when it comes to that future as well, it, it depends on Chris Paul. But keep in mind that these guys are young and that they will grow. DeAndre Aiden will grow and get better. Devin Booker will grow and get better. Uh, Mikael Bridges will grow in his role as a Robert Ory 2.0. Like, these guys will grow in their roles. And as they grow and develop, I mean, you can kind of find another decent point guard to plug in whenever Chris Paul decides to hang up the shoes and still be a team that can be formidable in the second round or something like that. So I think the future in Phoenix is definitely bright. Uh, we're not saying a dynasty, but we're definitely seeing um, playoffs um, and a team that could be a serious threat down the road for sure because they'll have Devin Book and DeAndre Aiden. So, all right. Um, let's talk about the Chris Middleton roller coaster. I mean, I guess we kind of talked about that a little bit. But, Jamar, let me ask you this. If Chris Middleton has 11 points just quickly, just quickly, guys, if Chris Middleton has 11 points in Milwaukee in game three, do Milwaukee Bucks still win the game? No. No. Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> so... So in this case, what's the what's the magic number for Chris Middleton in Game Three? Twenty six. Okay, I was thinking twenty five. <laughs> he needs about twenty six points, uh, and Giannis got to have another great game. He's got to get him at least another thirty. And the X factor between that is actually Drew Holiday because he's shooting more shots than both of them usually. So, but they're not falling. So he right. has. He has to get it going too. Right, 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 right. Important. Um, twenty six is good. Uh, Giannis had what thirty five in game one and forty two in game two. Um, I think Giannis is gonna get his. You can't really stop Giannis when he gets to a certain point. I mean, he's a jump shot away from being a champion, pretty much. A lot of years if he was to, to develop that, you can't stop. Um. But, okay, we're talking about Chris Middleton. So, Chris Middleton, Jamar, what is a magic number for him in order for the uh, Bucks to win, let's say, game three and game four? See, like, initially I was going to say 24, but I think his production coincides with Holiday. So, I'm going to put it like this. They need – both of them together need to score at least 50 combined. Okay. So however you get it, but Middleton, but the minimum requirement, he has to score 20. That's the thing. Right. So that means both of them have to put pressure on the Phoenix Suns defense. At that point, if they're going, with Giannis going, it's like you're not stopping that because you're getting hit from different angles, from different positions on the court, you, different levels of the court. You got the inside going, got the mid-range going, got the three ball going. Then you got the role players going out, outside of that. So if Middleton can drop at least 20 with a combine between him and Holiday of 50, then I feel like they're probably going to win and continue to win. But that at this point, he's asking for a lot, right? Because Middleton is nowhere to be found. So, And Holiday, he's, he's there. Just like Victor said, shots ain't falling. Like Drew Holiday was actually like getting good shot selection. Layups yeah. was just not falling. That's just what it was. They had a great recipe, and it was in the game for the most part. It just 
didn't hit shots, and Middleton was nowhere to be found, and Coach Bud sucks. That's what it is. Right. So the rest, the recipe, the recipe was to attack the basket. Um, and Drew Holiday definitely got to hit those, you know, layups. Um, he got to hit those floaters, those little mid-range shots that he takes. Um, the thing is, y'all, as we know in any sport, um, Bill Belichick does it all the time, right? Bill Belichick takes away the superstar. In the NBA, sometimes you got to let the superstar eat, but you got to take away the role superstar. This is what Phoenix has been doing. They've been letting Giannis eat, but they've been neutralizing Chris Middleton and neutralizing Drew Holiday. But Drew Holiday is getting his shot. I believe those shots will fall in Milwaukee, right? But Chris Middleton is the key here. He's the roller coaster, he's the volatility here. If Chris Middleton don't get at least 25, but you're right, Jamar, they got to get 50. So if Drew Holiday get 30 and Chris Middleton get 20, then the Bucks, yeah, I think they win, right? Because I see Giannis dropping 35. And then the role players, Victor, and at home, they play a lot better, right, at home than on the road. Right. So. Y'all been watching the games closely? Like real closely is Middleton Garden Booker for most of the game. They've been trying to switch on Booker. See, the thing That's about what... Booker is what Booker does is Booker breaks down the defense. And so right. I think a lot of people disrespect the IQ for Phoenix. They got a really high a high IQ, bro. What Booker does is he finds spots on the floor. He right. gets switches. He breaks down the defense with a little dribble and he gets a spot that he wants on the floor. But then oftentimes if Chris Paul's in the crash or something, and he just needs to get rid of the ball, then he gives it to Booker and say, hey, take us home. And so these are the two ways that Booker's been getting his points. But Booker, for the most part, I think y'all notice, he finds his mid-range, and he'll shoot somewhere near the free throw line. Right. And that's that's how he's been getting his buckets for the most part. And so um, Middleton's been guarding him, but he switches off. Quite often, yeah. and, you know, he's looking to shoot over Drew Holiday for the most part because he's the smallest defender, or he'll take advantage of like Forbes being in the game, you know, folks like that, you know, somebody he know can get a shot off. We try to get a switch on Brooke Lopez. That's pretty much all the uh, only person that uh, Bootenhauser been bringing off the bench is Forbes. But the thing is, I think Middle uh, Middleton is getting tired down. He's tired now, mm-hmm. having to play so hard in Brooklyn. Now you got to turn around. They probably need to figure out something else different, but I just don't know what that could be, <laughs> honestly, with uh, the people right now. You you, you said the same thing Kendra <laughs> Perkins said on uh, uh, ESPN. Um, he's basically stating that they need to do some type of adjustments, but I don't know if it's, you know, it might be too late, bro. It <laughs> might be too late. Yeah. And so that's, 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 Scary part for the uh, Bucks here. So, all right, fellas. Um, just a last question for Jamar, and I'm not trying to give Jamar a hard time for him picking a Bucks because this series ain't over. This, this <laughs> it could be a very well a good series, but on a scale of one to ten, Jamar, at this point, what number are you confident that the Bucks can win this series? Three. Three? Yeah, because 
because that means I, I had to rely on Coach Bud. <laughs> so it was a three. <laughs> the coach. Well, I mean, coach just Bud. I mean, like, look, like, like, like I said, Phoenix has doesn't really have any real weaknesses, but there's some things that you can do differently on defense. Like for one, like Vic said, like. Wait, where's Bobby Portis at? Like, you, you can put him in there. You can get more production on him on offense. I mean. And I think he can definitely like, defend and bang with DeAndre Eight. Like, because I mean, he come from Chicago. Like, he come from the Bulls. Like, he ain't finna be no little softy. Uh-uh. You could definitely put him in, and he could go toe-to-toe with DeAndre Eight. Yeah. So, that's, that's one. I think, two, I feel like the way that they're guarding – well, they did a little bit better job guarding Chris Paul, but defending the pick and roll because that's that's Chris Paul's like bread and butter. You got to get him yeah. like pressured to where he is attacking the basket instead of pulling up for the mid range. He gets to his spots in the mid range. It's it's a wrap. You got to get that thirty six year old man <laughs> taking layups at the cup. That's what you need to do right now. Get him out give him a couple of hard fouls, too. I think that'll work, too. Give him a couple of hard fouls. Exactly. I mean, no 36-year-old want to be tumbling all over the floor 10 times a game. So you're you going to have to get physical with him. Right, yeah. right. That's facts. That's factual, bro. That's factual. Because you're right. With Devin Booker, too. That's how Devin Booker get his shots. He picks a spot, and he goes to his spots. And if you let him get his spots... That's that's yeah. all they're doing, and that and that's what they teach you in the league. Like you, you, you get to your spot. They teach you how to get to your spots. You continue to get to your spots. You gonna continue to make shots. That's just what it is. Yep, facts, man. So, all right, fellas. Um, let's now talk about a different topic here. Um, we've been on the finals live for about forty minutes now. Um, <laughs> let's talk about uh the situation going on in Philadelphia with our brother here, Ben Simmons. So Ben Simmons, um, as you know, Victor, brother can't, brother can't, you know, I think we can outshoot him. You know, I think we can outshoot, you know, Ben Simmons. And so Ben Simmons is bricking up the joint. But there's another guy who bricks up the joint too that's a point guard. His name is Lonzo Ball. And so we kind of want to have a little fun here. If you had to pick somebody for your team, who would you rather have shooting that jump shot? <laughs> Who would you rather have shooting that jump shot? Lonzo Ball or Ben Simmons? That's an easy one for me. I'm definitely going Lonzo Ball. His, even though when he came in the league, his shot, he had a weird wind-up uh, shot, how he, uh, his, uh, he shot his jumpers. But if you look at the numbers, he has improved. Over the years, he's getting better. He has, yeah. has improved uh, that jump shot. Uh, ben Simmons has declined tremendously from uh, rookie year to now. And so, I, if me, if I had the choice, the who I want need to shoot a shot, I definitely would go with Paul over uh, Ben Simmons. No question whatsoever. And, and just secondly, who would you rather have on your team? Uh, I would definitely go with Lonzo Ball in that aspect, too. Uh, ben Simmons, from everything that everyone says, is a great defender. Um, I don't necessarily completely agree with that. Um, he is. He plays good defense. I'm going to sound like I'm 
just completely trashing the man. But I feel like a lot of that comes from Ben Simmons being six foot ten with long mm-hmm. arms and athletic. Okay. It's not his fault that he's died. But when you get put in a position where you're a six ten point guard and you're guarding most of the time a six three guy, you're gonna look great on defense regardless because your body stature is gonna change how that person has to play every single game. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing not playing bad defense. He probably is playing pretty good defense still, but that adds the game. And so for me, do I feel like he's a, a top tier defender? Absolutely not. I've seen games where I've watched not really. I mean, yeah, he has the stats. If you want to go by stats, but he's not really that great of a defender. Man, this is a good One point because I've been saying the same thing. Um, Lonzo Ball is a pretty good defender too, low key. I don't know if people noticed that. You got to keep in mind that Lonzo Ball is yeah. a pretty decent defender too. Um, when it comes to Ben Simmons um, and uh, Lonzo Ball shooting a jump shot, yes, I'm going with Lonzo Ball. Oh man, Ben Simmons, man, can't even. I mean, it's so bad that. I don't know if y'all remember watching that game, man, game four against the Hawks. They gave that man the openest layup, Victor, that me, you, and Jamar could have made at the local gym. And he passed it up and gave it to his French brother, um, who got fouled hard and then went to the line and missed the free throw. And it just all kind of sunk in. When he missed the free throw, it was just confirmation. Like, bro, you... <laughs> You know, you, you should have laid that out. You know? <laughs> this is already a tight game as it is. Um, seeing that play, though, and I look at it both ways. He, If you look at the angle and you look at it real closely, I do feel like a part of me felt like it. he should have shot the shot. Don't get me wrong. Being who he is, he's probably right. supposedly a superstar in this league. So they had him 1A, 1B, B. I honestly don't know why. But if you have that criteria behind you, then you have to take that shot. But by looking at the angle of the pass, um, when I look at a lot of the replays, in so many senses, it probably was the correct play. Um, but not for him in the way of who he is supposed to be. It's for him. I saw what he was trying to do. The guy would have had an open layup as well as he did. Don't I mean, me damn it, Victor. It wasn't even a layup. It was an open dunk. <laughs> right. For him, supposedly, since he's so athletic. He's, he's so he's athletic at 6'10". Player, you're right. That's one thing it. I looked at. I looked at the angle, too, and I'm like, hmm, maybe that was the right play from the angle standpoint of a layup. But I'm like, for right. him being 6'10", he could have just dunked the damn ball. <laughs> Exactly. For so, him, as athletic as he is, it's an easy dunk all day long, every day of the week. Yeah. But uh, to an, uh, just to give him a little bit of credit, it could have been the correct play. Maybe. Maybe with two <laughs> defenders on the other guy's back. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> as they say in America, um, I heard a white man just black, maybe. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I, I see your point, though. And it was hitting my man a lot. Um, and as far as 
on my team, I go with Ben Simmons. Why? Because of his length. You know, that's really the biggest difference. Um, and you know, he can't score against the there was a team that he could score against the Toronto Raptors, or he could score, you know, he could score against the Pelicans. And so I guess overall, you know, I can have him on my for that reason. Um he can, you know, score against So um yeah, it, it, it's a fun question to ask. But um Jamar, let's get your thoughts on this. Um, who you want shooting that last jump shot? Who do you want? Bro, but first, first, before I even pick who I'm going to pick, let, like, man, let's not sugarcoat that play. That was supposed to be a dunk. He ain't make the right play. He's supposed to dunk that ball and supposed to keep it moving with under two minutes left in the game. Like yeah. that. Like let's 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 not like like maybe no no. He's supposed to dunk that ball. Just Any gave Atlanta life. Just gave him life. If it was earlier in the, that game too. If that was against uh, Boston, he would have dunked that ball. His confidence wasn't shot then. He would have dunked that ball. This man was at, almost averaging a double double in that series. I, I ain't trying to hear that. With points. So, if I, uh, as far as a shot, it, it's Lonzo Ball all day, every day. I, I've seen that man progress with his jump shot since since college. From from college to the first year in the pros, he don't even shoot with that little circle motion no more. He's right. shooting like that. He's actually hitting it. He, he had his uh, three ball coming out party this past year. That, that man was stroking it behind the arc. He had like a couple of games where he's hitting five plus threes in the game. I'm taking a lot of the ball all day, every day with that. Yeah. And as far as my team, as far as my team, I'm taking a lot of the ball. And, like, look, I, I know you can't teach height. I get that. But let's, let's break it down. Like between the two, uh, shooting all day, every day, Lonzo ball. Passing, they 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 about even to me because they they can they can both like dime it out. They can both pass really nice. yeah. mm-hmm. Like you you put, I mean, because you you have Alonzo Ball running the fast break on my Bulls, and I mean it's gonna be just the same as you know Ben Simmons running the fast break on my Bulls. Like at the end of the result, Zach Levine gonna end up with a dunk. Uh, rebounding, I guess you can give a slight edge to Ben Simmons because of his height, but Alonzo Ball rebounds pretty good for a guard. Right. Yeah, per- perimeter defense. I'm going Lonzo Ball. Like like you mentioned, like that that man can defend. I, he's very underrated in that aspect. I mean, I, I'm campaigning for Lonzo Ball joining the Bulls anyway. I would love yeah, that. Would love that. Is he on the restaurant in Chicago? He does. Yeah, it's called Jerk Villa. Um, right down um, 22nd, like right off Cermak uh, Road, 22nd. Mm. Yep. Uh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to check that. <laughs> hey, but, uh, but yeah, um, defense, perimeter defense, I'll go on ball. Interior defense, of course, has been Simmons by the fall because of height. But intangibles, I'm going ball because he wants to win. Ball wants to win. Ball wants to improve his game. Ball has determination. Ball came in with so much hype, just like Ben Simmons. But, yeah, Ball is trying to, like, you know, live up to the fact that, hey, I got picked second overall. I need to, you know, do this, this, and that. Ben Simmons out here at Wimbledon living his best life with a uh, with a Jenner and stuff. I, I, I don't know. What's her name? Maya my, my Jama? Uh, she's a, um, she's a um, TV personality over in yeah. uh, the U.K. Yeah. That's uh, always seemed like Ben didn't have the work ethic. And I do see work ethic from Ball. Right, all right. He, he all in there falling in love. 
And that jump shot ain't got no love. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. At so. all. <laughs> At so, all. Yeah, so taking ball all day, every day, and twice on Sunday, man. And he can't uh, even shoot free throws. The free throws. Yeah. Are- <laughs> yeah, he, he's terrible with the free throws, man. I don't even get a started with that. So yeah, fellas. All right. Yeah. Um, let, let, let's talk about now uh, my sister Shikari Richardson. Uh, as you, as the world might know, she is uh, one of the top runners in the world. Ran for the, the LSU Tigers, and um, you know one of the top sprinters in the world was a highly prohibited favorite, right, y'all, to win the individual uh, relays and even the relays on the team. Um, however, uh, it was a cannabis and marijuana situation that occurred, and so right now she is not able to run. Uh, but there are petitions being filed on her behalf in order to run in Tokyo. I don't know if these petitions y'all would do any good, but they're being filed and they are running up in signatures. And I'm pretty sure the question is, Victor and uh, Jamar, is if this was a Caucasian young lady, what would be the excuse behind her? Would there be sympathy, which like they will, and would she be able to have her petitions and things, et cetera, et cetera, to run? And so just curious, guys, do you like these petitions being filed on behalf of Shikari Richardson? So, Victor, start us out, brother. Um, I think I do like to see um, people want someone to have a second chance in whatever it is that they're doing. Um, I do feel like she made a mistake. But also, I do I as well feel like um, an athlete um, knows the rules. And I know this is a sensitive subject for most, but I do feel like, especially on an Olympic level, you know that it's it's not it's not negotiable. It's not tolerated. The only thing that I'm trying to, and I need to go back and look into it and see when um, Phelps, Michael Phelps, got caught smoking weed, whatever, when, you know, he won a lot of medals in swimming. I'm not sure whether they took his medals back or did they still keep. I I don't know. Um, His was... his was after the Olympics. They didn't. I, his suspension was like for like three months. I think he lost a couple of endorsements, and I don't know if he's able to participate in the, the the world championships at that time. But it was after the Olympics, so his suspension was more egregious. But I don't. The impact on the Olympics wasn't as big because hers is like right before it. So okay. Um, I do feel like. She- she should have been selected for the uh, relay. Um, if if she passed the drug test, she should have been able to run. Um, mm-hmm. I it was kind of like blackballed, uh, for lack of a better term, um, because of the situation. But if she passed the drug test, she had 30 days to clear, she should be able to run. There was no reason to not select who, obviously, it was obvious that she was the best run at 
it it doesn't make sense. Yeah, man, and that's a really good point, Victor, and I'm sure you listen as well, Jamar. Like, if she passed the drug test 30 days prior to the race, then she should be able to run. We got to keep in mind that the Olympics is um, but it begins uh later this month or something. So this happened a couple. This happened a minute ago. This happened a while ago. This happened even before the articles came out, right? This happened like a week or so before the articles came out. So it's a good point. Uh, maybe this happened definitely thirty days prior to the race. Mm-hmm. And so, um, just for, you know, standpoint, Vic, I'm with you. She knows the rules, sad to see, but, you know, she'll miss out on a lot. But the good thing about it is she's 21. And so, you know, like Jamar stated a couple weeks ago or last week, um, she'll be 24, right, when the next Olympics start because of the pandemic. And so it's only three years rather than four years. And then in between that, she'll have other races to run. And so, um, you know, it just, you know, try to put her in, but the rules are the rules. That's that. And so, Jamar, just uh, curious, brother, how your thoughts? I mean, I, I mean, I, I agree. I, I feel like, yeah, you know, this is the quote-unquote land of second chances, but. You know, this is one of those where, you know, you made your bid, now you got to lay in it type deal. I mean, you knew the rules coming in. So, like, I, I never known the Olympic Committee to bend any rules for anybody. You, I mean, right. it is what it is. I right. mean, the timing of it sucks. The, the impact of it sucks. Hey. I, I see. And so, I mean, whoever determines the, the relay race, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that sucks too, but yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, had you followed the rules, we wouldn't even be talking about this. We'd be, you know, getting pumped and amped up for, for Tokyo next, later on this month for you to run the races. That's just what it is. I mean, rules are there for, for a reason. I mean, a lot of people don't like the rules nowadays because of, you know, you know, progression and legal or yeah. so. Right. Um, so, but you know the rules for the sport that you're playing. Just like, say, for instance, it's the same as, okay, it's legal, um, say, in Illinois. But your job can tell you, no, you can't smoke. And you have to follow those rules. It's the same. For her, her job is running. So it's kind of the same aspect if you look at it from a different level. That's Bye. what's her bread Bye. and butter. That's what's going to make the end of the day you have to follow those rules um for that so i mean it sucks obviously everyone wanted to see a run but the end of the day you can't pick and choose when you want them to follow the rules you know so it sucks for her sucks for obviously the black community who wanted to see her win um but you got to follow the rules It's Simple as that, man. Simple as that. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, we'll see what occurs with that situation. Um, it'd be nice to see her run, but mm, right now they look so good. Um, all right. Let's uh talk, uh, Victor, before we depart for the day. Um, 
Let's talk a bit about the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs. And so, Jamar, um, and I'm not sure, maybe we tagged Chris, uh, but me and Chris got into an intellectual debate yesterday about his Chicago Cubs, in which, out of emotion, Victor, our brother Chris Paul will take up for his Cubs out of emotion. But uh-huh. he know good and well that <laughs> changes need to occur in Wrigleyville. Hey, three. Victor Cubs fan too. Uh, oh, look, look, well, Vic, in this case, I can talk to you then as well. <laughs> changes needed in Wrigleyville. That big three, I think we could see, brother, after they had their runs of the championship series, the years they went and then went in the World Series. Um, after we began to see them make the wild card round, the you know, two, three years they made it and get ousted in the first round. I think we could begin to see that um, some was either wearing down in Wrigleyville or that the big three just wasn't working. But somehow, some way, the management is still hanging on to Harvey Abias, Chris Bryant, and Anthony Rizzo as if they're going to win a World Series. And I'm just, I'm stuck with it, not believing that they are going to do it, that they need some type of help. Maybe you try to do something to where you make a move during this upcoming draft or you try to get some type of bat because that ain't the White, that ain't the White Sox problem. The White Sox problems, White Sox can put up some runs on you. That's, that's never been their problem. But the picture now for the Cubs has declined. And if you don't have the bat, which are very up and down and not consistent, and then you got the decline on the pitch and it just makes for a bad recipe. And I'm sorry, but I'm looking at the big three because those are the big three highest paid guys. They are the most popular. They are the leaders. Anthony Rizzo is supposed to be the leader of this team. Chris Bryant's the all-star and MVP candidate, all this other stuff. And baseball is a number where it's a sport where you get your numbers, right? If you get numbers, you get success. But what about the W's? <laughs> Wrigleyville stands for W. And right now, it's Loserville. It's L's everywhere. L's all over Wrigleyville. This is Loserville right now. I feel like Jamar, me, you, and Victor, when they got a drink with Chris, we'll be walking down Loserville right now because it's just losing all over Wrigleyville right now. It'd just be a straight L down Addison. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, Victor, what is the problem with the Chicago Cubs right now? Because right now, something ain't working. And I'm, I'm saying that the problem that they've been having it's been a problem for years, and it's been needed to be addressed. Okay. Um, for me, there's many problems. Um, uh, one of the major problems is Ross. Okay. Uh, he I, – I know Madden made many mistakes in how he – manage the Cubs in certain ways and certain aspects of the game. But Ross, for me, is downright terrible. (laughs) For me, to me. And um, also, too, um, the pitching is bad. Um, It's up and down. The batting is up and down. Uh, And the major problem behind that is everybody swings for the fence. Nobody wants to just get on base. <laughs> but Jason Hayward even swing for the fence? He don't even hit nothing. That man, <laughs> I, I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, how it does he – he's a great defender, I suppose. So this is why he keeps the strike, right? On the team. 
Jason Hayward. You know what the best head is on the team, Jason Hayward? He had been one of the better at, you know, points in the last season in some parts. Oh, of man. So that's telling you so that, something. Cause... That tells you a story there. But behind that, for what I've seen is um, we, we need better, uh, like the lineup. They're switching the lineups, and the lineups aren't consistent. And the guys when that's leading off aren't the right guy for that. Or it's just been a lot of different problems all over the board. Um, at first, for a minute, I thought maybe they got some of the pitching corrected. The guys started pitching better, and then they were terrible again. And then the guys wouldn't hit, and they they would hit a little bit, and then terrible again. I mean. I think right now one of the uh, – maybe the leading hitter on the team is hitting 250 maybe. 250? Well, that consistently plays. Um, so that's that's terrible, you know, and it has to be addressed. I don't know if the right answer is busting up the big three. I mean, it's probably one of the easier fixes um, just so you can try and get someone else in there. but. They have a lot of issues that they realistically shouldn't have because Chicago is one of the biggest markets in baseball. They should be able to get whoever they want to. They have the money. They can do it. They just don't because the fans will still go to the games. They're still going to make their money. This is a really good point, Victor. (laughs) The Cubs, they're right, Joe. He's right, Jamar. The Cubs are like the Yankees. They could get some big free agents. Who doesn't want to go to Wrigleyville? I mean, they'll go to the north side before they go to the south side. Because they have they, a lot of people are afraid of the south side. So they'll <laughs> go to the north side before they go to the south side. Yeah, they bougie. <laughs> right. They could get anybody they want, really. Well, I, I shouldn't say Daddy. anybody. Daddy. But they paid the money. They could get almost anybody. They just don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, man, um, I, I'm definitely starting to look at the Cubs management. I've been looking at it for about five years now, Victor, between me and you. Um, and between me and you, the world, and Jamar, I've been looking at the management for five years now, um, realizing that the big three kind of need some assistance here. Um, I don't know what, you know, after your door get knocked down about four or five times, you start to maybe realize after the first second time, like, hey, maybe I need to kind of do something with this door, you know? And that's what the Cubs is. Um, they've been so relied on their pitching, right? The Cubs have a formula to what they believe they win with pitching. That pitching wins the World Series. And I agree it does. But at some point, you got to ask Clayton Kershaw prior to last year. Pitching will get you to the playoffs, but it won't win you a World Series. Baseball, hitting that thing out the park and getting you some good bats, especially that can get hot especially around the right time of the year, will win yeah. you a World Series. That's what wins in baseball. And the Cubs don't have that. They don't have bats. And that is a major issue. Whereas flipping on the south side, south side, woo woo, got my south side shirt on. You see, Jamar? Hey, that's dope. Yes, sir, got my south side shirt on. The White Sox don't have a problem putting up bats, right? Even when the White Sox was terrible, one thing the White Sox always did, Victor, you look at the scoreboard, is they've always put up runs. Always. They've always had bats. 
every time they play the Cubs, the Cubs have had the best record in the league. They'll play against the White Sox and get whooped. Why? Because the White Sox have got bats. That's why. They've always had bats. Cubs have always had pitching. They won a 3-2 game, 2-1. You know what I'm talking about, Victor. These are the games the Cubs want. They want a 2-1, 3-2. They'll win, they'll win a, the 3-1 game, 3-2 game, and then the next game get blown out by nine runs because <laughs> they can't. They can't score consistently. One game, they'll score seven runs. The next three games, they scored four runs combined. They're not consistent um, in there. And then when they do get guys on base, instead of moving the guy over, get guys in scoring position, everybody swings for the fence. Instead of just playing baseball. At some point, they need that guy. Play. I mean, I know it's an easy way to score the runs, obviously, or whatever. It, that's the glorified play. You hit the home run. But you need guys that can get on base. You need guys that can move bases. Right. You need and they, they don't have it. Right. I got I got yeah. a solution, Victor. And Jamar, don't you laugh here. It's not funny. And happy birthday, Chris. Happy birthday, brother. Um, I, I, we are sending you love on the Early Morning Sports Talk podcast. Minus your Chicago Cubs. We're sending you love for your birthday. But I got to <laughs> tell you about the Cubs. Maybe he won't listen. I don't know. But you know about the conversation yesterday. The solution for the Chicago Cubs is, like Jason Hayward, if you can't hit the ball, just don't swing, all right? And this way, you can get the bases loaded. This way, you can score some runs. But who knows? You could probably get two runs, Chicago Cubs, if you don't swing. And you can win a game 5-4 or 3-2 or something like that. But if you go swinging Jason Hayward, knowing good and well, Jason Hayward, that you can't hit a rock, okay? <laughs> it's just better off, Jason Hayward, that you don't swing <laughs> and you just let the picture just walk you or something, brother. I think your probability, your chances of getting across those four bases are a lot higher if you don't just swing at everything. All right. Yeah, so um, just curious, uh, Jamar, um, in the Cubs swinging at everything. I'm taking that. That's the, that's the new. That's the new pronoun for today. Cubs swinging at everything. <laughs> I, I find it funny that after they, you know, did their, you know, little combined no hitter, like they they went on that skid. Like, how how does that happen? Uh, how does that happen? Because that happened directly right afterwards. Right, and then you right, brother. And ever since then, it's been. I don't know. It's it's been a wrap. I because we were talking about how how good it was a couple weeks ago. Now two weeks ago later today we were talking about how like trash they are. Like what, what's going on? Like if you like bruh, like if you can't score runs, it's pitching not gonna hold up. Like like what, what's going on, Wrigleyville man? Like Vic, I'm talking directly to you, man. What, what, what's going on? Are they I mean, partying that- at Wrigleyville, Victor? Is that what's going on or what? Over there in Boys Town. What's that? I'm- I didn't hear the I last. Say, I said, are they partying in Wrigleyville right now? And and and, and Jamar was wondering, like, are they in Boys Town or something? Like, what's going on? They up there, they enjoying Foster Beach or what's going on? They on Lakeshore Drive or something? What's going on, man? Nah, I don't know what they doing, man. But they not playing baseball, that's for sure. And uh, they got to get back to playing. But I just don't really necessarily know how or what they need to do. Um, like I said, I, 
I feel like I, I, I like Ross as a player. He was a great player. He helped us win that World Series. He was definitely a major part within that. But do I feel like they gave him the job based somewhat on that? Absolutely. And was it the wrong move? Absolutely. Because not only, and I know it don't always have to be this way, but he played with those guys. So he's buddies with those guys. And instead of coaching those guys, I don't see that aspect from him. And it's right. probably he's more hard like for- a friend, like a, yeah, because they're <laughs> all around the same age. He's a very young man. Yeah, so he played with those guys, and I don't get him, like, having that manager mentality with those guys that he needs to push them into playing, like, the correct way, probably because he was really good buddies with those guys when he was playing with them. I don't <clears throat> necessarily always agree with a player coach like uh immediately being a part of the organization after they stop playing because it's too much conflict of interest within that from players and that you know higher up or whatever they may be at that point in time i don't always agree with that but man that's that's factual brother like um that's one element chris was talking about the pitch and i was talking about the leadership I was talking about the big three, um, and I was talking about the lack of scoring and the lack of bats. Um, but I also mentioned, um, but I, I'm, I'm hitting on as well. I'm loving the fact that you're bringing up David Ross, the fact that he's a young manager, the fact that they are buddies. They don't probably work as hard. This is what the White Sox kind of did the opposite, and Jamar didn't like it, but Jamar sees that there are W's on the south side. What, Jamar? It's because the White Sox would have huh. got a manager that wasn't going to be their friend and Tony La Russa that would be like a head coach or a manager no, 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 rather than no, being no, a no, buddy no. like no, David no, Ross no, on the no. North no, Side. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, they're, it, it, this is just like the Coach Buzz situation here, man. Like, the White Sox are getting wins in spite of La Russa. It's like Tim Anderson is the manager over there. I, that's that's, <gasps> that's <laughs> where I'm going. Goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> no. The White Sox are winning because of Tony La Russa. Look at his track record. He's win every. He's won everywhere he's went, Victor. This guy has won multiple World Series. I hate he's to say led, it. I yeah, absolutely hate to say it. He's a great manager. The Cubs would have been blessed if they had Tony La Russa. Uh, I never, I never. The, the Cubs would have got David Ross, right? They would have got their buddy. Um, and as you see, that's paying dividends for them right now because um, it's not. Um, but the White Sox went and got a manager, Jamar. And so even though you don't want to acknowledge it, you know in your heart, you know somewhere in your heart in that Washington shirt that the White Sox made a good hire by hiring Tony DeRosa because he's a good manager, not necessarily their friends. Uh, no. <laughs> All right, whatever. whatever. Sometimes it's hard to persuade this man. But, um, yes, so... With that being said, um, the Cubs are going through their wolves, and maybe they'll come out of it. You know, it's only the midway point of the season, guys. So, um, you know, and the Brewers are only about eight games ahead. I mean, they can come back. I mean, baseball is a weekly sport. You have a good week in baseball, you can turn things around if you have a good week. And so the Cubs just got to have a, you know. 
against Milwaukee. So they can close the gap um, if they played. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, hopefully uh, my formula is not right here, um, Victor. But lastly, I've, I've been saying about the Cubs. They always start off good. And then as the season weighs on, it's like they just weigh down, you know? Like, I don't know if they get tired or their legs start burning out or something, but I've kind of noticed that with the Cubs for a number of years, um, especially with those big three guys, they start off great, and as the year just goes, they just kind of fade away into, you They know, go through spurs, up and down, up and down. One minute, they've beaten all the great teams, then they lose to the bad teams, then they lose to the good teams, then they go back. It's like a roller coaster every year. And mm. uh, I, I don't understand it, but that's kind of how they do. They'll close the gap. With, uh, they'll try and make a race of it. Um, but that pitching's gotta, it's gotta come along big time. Um, and the guys have to start playing baseball. They right, have right, to right. start hitting the ball. <laughs> right. So, and, and Victor, me and jo- you know, as a Sox fan, I just feel your pain. I can look in your face and I can see the pain that you're going through right now. Um, and so I'm going to, uh, the Sox fans, on behalf of the Sox fans, Jamar, we're going to solicit prayers for the Cubs fans um, to make sure that you guys, you know, are comfortable in the midst of your trial. Life is full of trial and tribulations. As you I'm know, Victor. Guys with the uh, Crosstown Classic. Yeah, and, Oh, yeah. And you know what the Sox going to do. You know what's going to happen. We, we all know what's going to happen. And we're, we're, but the more important thing is we're going to solicit prayers for the Cubs fans and the Northsiders and all those who believe in the go Cubs, go. No, no, no. Because you're not winning no baseball games. Um, Having one good season. That, the White Sox fans do this every year. Actually, this is our second good season, buddy. This is the second good season. Look, man, fly okay. that L. Just fly that L. <laughs> that was quick back in Oakland last year, but, I mean, we won't talk about that. I mean, we talk about the Cubs' early exit. They got three The Cubs lost in the about... uh, playoffs last year, too, right? They lost in the, uh, the wild card round, or did they make it last year? No, they lost in that play-in bullshit. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Crap, they do they now. Been losing that like a, a number of years. Ago. They always lose again. Yeah, poor Cubs. Um, yeah. but yeah, um, <laughs> right. Well, we'll solicit our prayers, man. And so, um, fly the L. Uh, go Cubs, go. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll hopefully next week we'll have some good to talk about. Because baseball is a weekly sport. And, um, you know, maybe Chris Brown can go to that All-Star game and get an MVP. Or so, they, they they need the All-Star break like no other. Just, just oh, yeah, go over there and just, just chill out, man. I mean, it, it's cool. It's I mean, Vic, we talk. Hey, man, as, as of, you know, Saturday, July 10th at 817 right now, I mean, you know. Matter of fact, let's get into our socks talk. I'm tired of, tired of talking about the flying the elves. Like, come on. I'm tired of it. All right, so let's break down. Let's just talk about the White Sox uh, briefly, guys. So, Elon Jimenez, he mm-hmm. put on the sign um, in AAA. And the rumors that, that he's not only at 100% victim, he's at 
And so I think that's a very good sign. So um, the White Sox are 53 and 35. I, I think we both, all of us, know that they should have won a lot more games. They, their bullpen has been trash for the most part. Um, but hopefully the bullpen gets better. Um, any thoughts on the White Sox? I mean, the Sox just got to keep it going, right? They just got to keep things going. You know, they'll get their players back. They'll get more of their bats back. So that's a very good positive here. And so the White Sox has been kind of hampering things out without their real superstars. Yeah, let, 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 let me go real quick. I, I'll make it brief because this is a very simple formula here. So White Sox are up seven and a half games. White Sox are missing key players from their team. Key players are starting to come back here towards the end of the year. White Sox is probably going to run away with this division. And White Sox should be playing uh, some October baseball. That, that's that's as simple as that. That division be Oh, terrible. Uh, we'll let that we'll let that one ride. <laughs> first off, I, I'm gonna need you to be uh above the Cincinnati Reds in your division first before you start talking this. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah that is bad. That helped out from it. All right, guys. Um I appreciate um, the Cubs Sox talks here, but now it has uh, gotten between the Cubs and the Sox fans. Our brother Victor Young and Jamar Goodman, um, both taking up for their respective teams, and so um, we'll just see, guys, how the things progress. Victor, every week, me and Jamar, we always end our podcast making sure that we include the baseball. Um, we even talk WNBA as well. Um, and so we'll have more to talk about as the season goes. Um, the season is at the halfway point. Um, right now, the Cubs are in a slump. The White Sox were in a slump recently, right? But they kind of picked themselves up a little bit. And so, you know, the Cubs just got to make, you know, they got to make way of the bad teams, right? They got to win those winnable games. They got to, you know, beat the bad team. They got to take care of that business. And, you know, who knows? I mean, they can end up in a play-in game again. Um, I think it is a good baseball team. They just have to get them bats going. Um, and baseball is a momentum sport. You get those bats going a few games, a few weeks, or a week or so, you can wrap that out. And so uh, we'll see how things go. And so um, with that being said, we uh, thank you, our brother Victor Young, for being on with us this morning on our Early Morning Sports Talk podcast. Um, presence, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, brother. Really do. And uh, as we head into our weekend, we always want to give our guests the opportunity to give us any final thoughts and shout outs as we head into the weekend. And so, Victor, you got any final thoughts or shout outs you want to give us um, or give the world as we head into this oh. weekend? Oh, I'm just happy to be here. Um, if you guys ever need me to want me to come on again, just let me know. Um, it was Appreciate great, um, guys, on the show. Uh, Thank y'all for having me. Um, yeah, I had fun. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Jamar, any final thoughts or shout-outs, man, as we head into the weekend? Definitely appreciate you, my brother, Vic. Uh, yeah, I can't wait till we get a little closer to football season because I don't want to yeah. rip your uh, coats a new one when, when we get towards that. So I'm looking forward to all of that. Oh, but, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to all of that. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting, man, when the season comes. 
Because, yeah, we have a lot to talk about with Colts and various things Dude, as well. We, we, we got to get Vic and Chris on here at the same time so so I could tag team and rip both of them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this would be awesome, man, because both of you guys are Colts fans. So this would be great. Definitely looking forward to it. And we have Chris on. We can talk to Colts. We can talk to Colts. All day long. I love talking bears yeah. big fans. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. That's going to be fun, too. Um, So, you know, we'll have a little more positive talk because we got Justin Fields now. So, conversation will be a little more positive because um, I'm telling you, prior to Justin Fields, boy, we just spent a whole two hours on the Bears easy. I mean, just easy. And the, the, the conversation, it just flowed. And it just flowed by itself, like, so simply. And so, um, yeah. Thank you, man. Um, I, I think he'll be all right, but y'all putting a lot of faith in him. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. Um, and I think Jamar might have clicked off with the little man, but uh, that's totally fine. Um, as we head into the weekend, though, world, everybody be safe. Uh, put the guns down, all right? Put the guns down. Save a life. Fair life. Um, life is precious. Um, enjoy the weather. Um, you know, we are in the midst of the summer, and as we know, summertime shy is one of the best summers in the world. So enjoy that um, and be safe. Remember, it is still a virus out there. So, um, world, do y'all best to uh, be cognizant of how you move and how you kind of surround yourself. Still sanitize, still do some of those basics, right? Even though, you know, a lot of people are vaccinated, still do your part, right? Still maintain the cleanliness on your end. And so, um, yeah, as we head into this weekend, everyone have a blessed, productive, um, a wonderful weekend. And we thank you all for tuning in with us on the Early Morning Sports Talk podcast. Have a blessed weekend and peace. Hey, doctor.